The Pinball Network is online. Launching. Just another pinball podcast. Hello, this is Joel Engelberth with Just Another Pinball Podcast, episode 16. Uh, 16, very happy to be here, excited to have this podcast or record this podcast for you guys. Um, I do feel like I need to apologize. I know it's been a few weeks since my last one, and uh, sorry for the the delay there. Um, One thing I did notice is I felt like my podcasts, I mean, typically it's like roughly every two weeks, and I felt like they were coming out uh, pretty much the same time or right around the same time as Final Round Pinball. And so I thought it would make more sense to stagger and not be on the same week as them. Plus, I, I've I've had some things that I'd be happy to discuss, but I, I kind of wanted, I don't know, some some time to let some of the subjects that I'm going to talk about tonight, um, uh, on, I, I needed some time to just, just see if my thoughts uh, changed. Um, so yeah, so here we are. Um, I also actually felt like I was called out by Zach and Dennis, <laughs> which was kind of neat uh, listening to their podcast today. And they said, "Yeah, I bet we, I bet we have a just another pinball podcast coming up. It's about that time," which is funny because I had not, I had not communicated that at all. So I'm glad that uh, that there was a uh, they missed it. I don't know, but um, so yeah. So let's dive on in here. Um, usually, usually one of the last things that I discuss are the reviews that I get, whether it's a review on Pinside or review on. Uh, an email that I get, you can always email me at justanotherpinball@gmail.com, um, or if it's a review on the This Week in Pinball uh, database, the Promoters Pinball Promoters database. Um, but I'm actually going to start with those because I think it's actually a good conversation. So um, one of them I got from Robert HKD, which is uh, Everyday Pinhead, just enjoying the ride. Good info and great add to this podcast represents what I feel is the everyday Joe. In the hobby, most of us are in the hobby for the love of the game, and it's great to hear a calm, rational viewpoint if an ever-growing bombardment in an ever-growing bombardment of drama. And uh, good, that's that's great. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the drama or the I don't know the negativity in this hobby, um, but there's I don't know that that's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. Um, but we are going to discuss a little bit of that today, and uh, I just I don't want to dive too deep into it, but I do want to discuss it. Which kind of leads me to my next review from Carl, your mama. Yep, Carl, your mama. Um, he gave me, so I got to give him credit. He he gave me a, a long review here, um, and but he did give me four out of five stars. He could have he could have done a lot worse. He could have given me one star, but um, I, I did get a four out of five. This is the second four out of five rating that I've gotten. But um, he said Joel is nice. Dot 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 dot. But And he said, I'm kind of getting sick and tired of the let's talk about GNR that turns into bashing the pin, then tells us he got an Avengers. This is the third podcaster to do that. Parentheses, stern guy. Just be wholehearted and honest is your biggest gripe is a soft plunge. Parentheses, total preference. You don't have a leg to stand on. Also, if you take a pin like GNR and complain for most of the review, more than 50% check, then you are showing your bias. I like the idea of not wasting space or turning it into a wide body to fit everything or having your outer loop not controlled for the plunge shot. I just notice every guy buying an Avengers crapping on GNR I own. Owen is great, but he lost, but he lost, I shot it. Oh, okay. Elwin is great, but he lost, I shot it. Like all Elwin's games, overhyped. Maiden was good, but not great. Elvira was better. Then Jurassic, if anyone dared say it. 
you got three types right now. Elwin fanboys, JJP fanboys, or Kaneda, who changes his mind every five minutes like a crazy person. Parentheses, sometimes good. Some days good, some days not. Um, can we just enjoy both and stop tribal BS? All right. So there's a lot to unwrap here. And um, first off, Carl, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time to write the review. And um, what I realized from this review, the first thing I realized from this review was I know in my last episode, I kind of did a, a very quick review or a quick, my first quick experience with um, Rick and Morty, Guns and Roses, and Avengers. And that's all it was. It was supposed to just be, hey, I've spent 15 minutes with each of these pins. What's what's my takeaway? Um, now, to also be clear, yes, I have, a, I have an Avengers. I have an Avengers right now down in my basement. Do I own it? No. Did I buy it? No. Um, Zach at Flipping Out Pinball has been gracious enough to let me borrow it um, and stream it. Um, I live roughly three hours away from Zach, and uh, he had actually let... Um, there was, there was a local tournament down in Kentucky and he had actually opened this brand new Avengers and they used it, uh, for tournament play. And he had a bunch of these Avengers in stock. Um, so he said, Hey, I have an open one. It makes no sense for it to just be sitting here. Do you want to borrow it and stream it? And I said, absolutely. Um, so I'm just, I'm very grateful to have that. And to be honest, I would stream any pin that he, that he wanted me to or had available so before avengers i was streaming uh stranger things because that's another game that he had opened at a show and um yeah so am i uh did i pick avengers no did it, am i an elwin fanboy no i've actually never owned an El an elwin game and i still don't own an elwin game and i'm going to talk about my my first experience with with or my more in-depth experience with avengers uh, as, as a little later in this podcast, but if he's saying there's three camps right now, you're either an Elwin fanboy, a JJP fanboy or Kaneda, I would agree that I don't think Kaneda fits in either of those categories. I don't know what category Kaneda fits in. It kind of changes all the time. Um, he typically is all about the latest thing and he buys the latest thing and then he sells it. And then after he sells it, he tells you all the things he didn't like about the latest thing. So I... Sure. If that's one of the if that's one of the things, then you basically come down to you're either a Stern fanboy or a JJP fanboy. And once again, I'm not I'm not either of those things. I, there was at one point in time where I owned a Hobbit and I loved Hobbit. I absolutely loved Hobbit. And there's there's some things about JJP that they do incredibly well. Um, I just can't afford to have like I can really only afford to have two or three pins. And unfortunately, JJP pins are are a lot more expensive than Stern pins. Um, I'm not saying they're better and I'm not saying they're worse. I'm just saying I can't afford to have them, uh, and still have a, a, a larger collection or I, I'm saying larger. I'm talking about three, I'm talking about a three pin collection. Um, so I'm not a JJP fanboy, but at the same time, I really enjoy every, like I really enjoy JJP pins and there's some stuff that they do extremely well. And so that leaves the last category, which is Elwin fanboy. Um, no, I, I, I would not call myself an Elwin fanboy whatsoever. Um, do I like Stern? I mean, I do like Stern. What I like about Stern is I like the flippers. I like the way the snappiness of the flippers. I like that a lot. And I like that they're constantly producing pins and they give us options. That's what I like about Stern. And I'm a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan and they produce Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, just in the last year, they've They've released Stranger Things, which I had a lot of fun with. Iron, um, 
Avengers, which I'm having fun with, uh, Turtles. I mean, it's just there's plenty. There's just it's what I like about Stern is they just keep producing stuff. Is there stuff that I wish they would do better? Yes. Is there stuff that I think they're doing better than other manufacturers? Yes. So if you want to say I'm a Stern fanboy, okay. But I'm not. I'm not though. I mean, I I right now I'm saving up money for my next pin. And do I have one in mind? No. If I if I hit that money threshold goal tomorrow, sure. I, I don't know. As of right now, maybe I'd buy a Deadpool. Deadpool is a really, really fun game. But the reality is, like, I'm not opposed to saving up more and seeing what comes out from JJP or Spooky or even Deep Root. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little more in the, in the podcast. But I just... I'm sorry, this to me, and I'm I, Carl, by all means, all I can ask of you is I, I wish I wish you would have sent this in, in an email. I wish th- an email would have provoked a, a conversation. And an email is something that I can reply to and I can, can you know, I can share my thoughts instead of having to re- record a podcast. But instead, this is this was how he shared it and he shared it as a review. And I will forever have four out of five stars from Carl, your mama because of some of the stuff that I said in a podcast. And I'm not, by no means am I trying to crap on Guns N' Roses. All I shared was when Guns N' Roses was announced, there was a lot about Guns N' Roses that I was blown away by. The light show, for one thing. Um, And it looked like an amazing game. And it looked like they had, I mean, the marketing and the reveal of that game was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And there was part of me that's like, I don't, I don't like Guns N' Roses at all, but that game looks insane. And is there a chance that I'm going to play one and feel like this is what I have to have? Like I have to sell like Turtles. Turtles is a nostalgic dream theme for me, but it's, but it's like, is, is, is Guns N' Roses going to be so good that I'm going to have to sell pins that I consider keepers because this game is so different and so unique that was kind of the bar that I was kind of worried about that Guns N' Roses had set. And and if you look on Pinside, there were there were people that were like, has Guns N' Roses devalued every other pinball machine in the industry? You know, when you're talking like that, when you when you're setting the bar that high, that you're saying like there's every other pinball machine and then there's Guns N' Roses above the rest, that's I mean, that was setting a, an expectation in my head. And all I was saying was the first 10 to 15 minutes of me playing that pin, um, I didn't. I wasn't mad. I wasn't annoyed. I, I wasn't like upset or disappointed. I'm just saying it brought those expectations down to a realistic level. And he's making comments about the soft plunge. I'm just saying that's the very first experience. Oh, okay, maybe hitting the start button is the first experience you have with a pinball machine. But other, but that's the second thing you do. And I, all I was saying was I was surprised with how light the, the spring was on the plunger. That that was just making a comment. I, I've never ever felt a spring ball, a, a spring ball. Wow, a pinball plunger spring so soft, so light, and it just it felt cheap. Like just because there was no resistance to it. That's it. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm dismissing GNR entirely due to the plunger. That's not what I'm saying at all. And sure, I agree. Yes, if this would have been a wide body, then they could have made an orbit and you could have plunged into an orbit just like the majority of pins these days. I get it. It was a design choice. That's it. That's all I was sharing. 
Um, so I understand, Carl, your mama, you bought a GNR machine, and I hope you love it. By all means, I hope, I absolutely hope you love it. And I have no doubt that if I had the opportunity, if if in a few months when I take Avengers back, if, if Zach had flipping out, it's like, hey, I got a, I got a GNR here. Do you want to stream that for the next two months? I, I would take it in a heartbeat. And believe it or not, that would probably, I'd probably end up absolutely loving it. So I, I am not at all in a position to tell anybody what games are good or what games are bad or what games you you should or should not enjoy that's that's not my that's not my gig i don't i don't care to do that at all all i can share with you is how my opinion is and what my initial impression of a game is and then what my impression of a game is after i put more time onto it and then maybe afterwards you know where it's like hey i've invested a few months just like i did last week with with stranger things i've had this pin for a few months and so what how has my opinion changed or adapted over that time that's it that's that's my only goal so um I don't remember saying, all I remember saying with Avengers that I liked was it shot really well. It, it, it shot, I mean, the shots felt good and I wanted to do them. And that's still real. That is still a real thing. But I know 10, 15 minutes is not enough time to really dive into Avengers code or Rick and Morty's code or even GNR's code. I get that. Uh, it was just me sharing an initial impression. So, Carl, your mama, I would love to talk about this more. I absolutely would. All I'd ask is that you send me an email at uh, justanotherpinball at gmail.com. I'm all for give and take back and forth. By all means, if anybody else is listening to this podcast and completely disagrees with something that I'm saying, shoot me an email. I buy like, please let's have that conversation. I'm not a defensive person. I'm not here to attack or accuse or tell you you're right or wrong. I just, I want to, I want to hear the discussion because that's, what's so great about this hobby is there's so many different types of people and there's so many different types of opinions and that's fine. I think they're all valid. I think they're all valid. There's just the only thing I don't support is when people are just talking about how everything today is garbage and how much better things were back in the 90s. Because then what's the point? What's the point of even being in this hobby? Let's just find the pins in the 90s. Let's get a nice version of them and be done and just live in the past. And that's fine. If, if that's if you just prefer 90s games over modern games. Okay, that's fine, but there's no reason to spend time in the forums or on a podcast or anything telling people how how bad the games are today because it, it doesn't it doesn't matter it, it's just it's not needed, um, yeah. So I don't know, Carl. I once again appreciate it. Appreciate the four stars you gave me, um, and I look forward to more conversation by by all means. So where does that lead us to Avengers? So I have now had Avengers three weeks, three weeks in my in my um, possession. And what are my takeaways from it? Um, first off, the art is still great. The art, Jeremy Packer, Zombie Yeti still killed it. Art is great. Um, the shots, the shots are fantastic. The shots really, it is a fun shooting game. No doubt about it. Um, if I go from left to right, hitting the grid, the drop targets on the left, um, really, it's an it's an interesting effect um, that you have to use at different times, and it's challenging. Those are challenging shots, and instead of it being like one wide bar like in Turtles, there are three very specific shots that you have to hit, and you have to hit accurately at different times. The left orbit is a little more inside than I would expect an orbit, so I'm... I haven't quite got the timing down 
for that shot yet, which is the Hulk shot. There's a spinner on that shot, and the spinner feels great. Um, the next shot in is the Avengers Tower, which is a very fun shot. You have to shoot it clean because it's got to go vertical and be caught by that magnet, and that's really cool. Um, and then, of course, the ball will like drop back down. The next shot after that is back through the pops. It's It feels and looks like an impossible shot, but you when you hit it, it, it feels great. Um, absolutely great. Then you got the bread and butter, which is right up the middle. That's the Black Widow shot. I hit it all the time. It feeds back to the left flipper. It, it's, it just feels good. It's a very satisfying shot. To the right of that is the, is the pot belly shot. And that's the shot that you can hit from all flippers, um, which is the gauntlet shot. That is another sh- shot that's very fun and rewarding to hit. Then there's like an inner loop, which is challenging. You can only hit it from the upper flipper, uh, but you can hit it. Um, and then you have the Marvel ramp, the Captain Marvel ramp. I have a pro, so it's a Captain Marvel spinner, which also feels and sounds very, very good. So I, I enjoy hitting that shot. Then you have a uh, Captive Ball Thor target, which is good. It's a, it's a fun Captive Ball. Um, it's easy to backhand from the right flipper. And then you have the right orbit, which is the Black Panther shot. Another orbit shot that I'm still trying to find the time. But the, what's cool about that is when you hit that shot, it actually goes up a ramp comes around all the way around the play field and goes to your right flipper. So it's not a standard orbit, but um, it actually feeds a ramp, which is really neat. Um, and then the last shot on the right is the Ant-Man shot, which is a scoop on the premium. But it's another shot that you really have to get the timing down, and you use it only at specific times. But when you need it and you hit it, it's very satisfying. Like, it feels really good. Kind of like how, you know, hitting... Um, what is it like to crank it up or the scoop in Metallica or even the scoop in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, that far right shot that's important when when you hit it, it, it feels good. It's satisfying. So overall, I mean, the the shooting of the game and the combos and the flow is fantastic. And that's that has not changed. That was my initial impression in the first 10 minutes of me playing it. And that's still where I'm at three weeks later. Um, now, what about the rest of the machine? There's a lot more there. Um, I would say so far, the sound and the animations are, are fine. They're not, there's nothing exciting about them. There's nothing that I like want to see like, oh, I can't wait to get to that mode so I can see this, or I can't wait to get to that mode so I can hear that song. There's nothing like that. It just, it's just there. Um, so it's fine. I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, if I had to give it a grade, it's just average. It's just right in the middle. It's not grading. It doesn't distract me, but it's, there's nothing there that excites me, um, which is okay. Um, it's just challenging because like with Stranger Things, I had the sound remix added to that. And then with Turtles, there's been some really good uh, sound remixes for that as well. That actually has some really good s- sounds um, and songs that you look forward to. And then I just enjoy the animations and the uniqueness of the animations in Turtles more. There's also a... Um, there's the 1987 version of Turtles, which has all the animations replaced with clips from the show, which are great to see. Stranger Things had actual video assets, which were great to see. Um, so overall, I would say the audiovisual side is okay. But, you know, it does make you, me wonder when I'm playing, I'm really not looking at that. I, I don't, I'm not looking at the animations at all. Um, but are the animations appealing enough to, like, suck people in? Probably not, um, which is fine. Because the main, the main, what I've realized with Avengers is the main people that are playing this are like the 
pinball people that want to accomplish and score and stack and get things lined up and just the the code on this game is unbelievably like deep or complex and it's not deep as in hey there's this mode then this mode then this mode then this mode and this mode and so for you to finally see this mode you have to do 18 other things in a row it's not that way at all it's it's maybe maybe instead of deep it's actually just really wide like it is very much a choose your own adventure what do you want to do and how do you want to attack this pin at any moment um, the fact that you can, when you beat uh, and, and collect a stone, you have to put that stone on a character. And depending on what character you put it on, will do drastically different things for you as the game goes on. Most of which involves accomplishing things like free shots or score. It's a lot of score-based stuff. And so I personally like playing games as like, I want to get through a journey. I want to achieve something. I don't really care about score. So there are definitely things about this code that I realize are incredibly directed towards or appealing for a competitive player that I personally just don't don't really care about. Um, and that's fine. But I realize that's what I see in a lot of Elwin pins is they shoot great, but he is like the competitive player. He is he is probably the goat of competitive playing. And so, of course, he's going to design the code and the rules around something that would keep him interesting because or interested in playing this game, because it's very clear from a competitive pinball standpoint, there are certain games where there really is only one route to go. There's only one way to really blow up that game. You have to do X, Y, Z in that order. And if you don't, you're not going to blow it up. You won't get the points you need. But Avengers, and I'm seeing that in Jurassic Park, and you see that in Iron Maiden, there are so many different ways that you can attack the pin that I have no doubt that that a game like that is super appealing to a high-skilled, high-end player. Now, the opposite of that is like my sister, who came over the other week. She was in town, and um, she was free in one of the evenings, and she came over and played pinball. And to be honest, you know, I had her play Avengers, and we played one game on it and she's just like wow there's a lot there and i'm like yep and i think she enjoyed hitting some of the shots but there was nothing in the game that really like that she cared about um there is no bash toy there is no cool mech there is no like super neat moment or experience that you need to experience experience in that game and um i brought this up on stream because somebody actually said like, hey, I see you swapped out Avengers for Stranger Things. How do you like it? Do you miss Stranger Things? And I said at that time, I said, yes, I do miss Stranger Things. And um, somebody said, well, well, which one do you like better? And I said, I know I'm probably going to get like severely ridiculed for this. But at that time, if somebody said, hey, um, if Zach called me up and he said, hey, which one of these like you know, hey, you deserve this. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but it's just like if Zach was like, hey, you get a pick. Which one do you want? Do you want Stranger Things or Avengers? I would pick Stranger Things. And um, and I think that probably is makes no sense to a whole lot of people. But I explained this on stream and the best part about it was Ray Day, Raymond Davidson, who Davidson, who's one of the pinball programmers for Avengers was on stream. And I told him this. I said, the deal with my collection is I can't afford a large collection. I can afford like three pins. And so I want to make sure that every game that I own 
not only would keep me entertained, but also any guest, any friends or family that I came over to play. And unfortunately, I don't see anything in Avengers that would keep a normal or average or like not average, but like a, a newbie or a below average pinball player entertained. And what Raymond said is he goes, well, we the whole point of Thor multiball, Thor multiball is you hit the captain ball like two or three times and you're in a multiball. He's like, we put that in because we wanted to give like a new person something easy to achieve. And that's fine. But the thing is, Thor multiball, it's just a captive ball. Once it starts, it's a decent light show, but there's not, it's not enough of a thing for people to be like, oh, you got to come check this out. You got to see this moment compared to stranger things. You know, I put a friend or family member on that. They hit the four drop to the drop down targets down. There's a ramp that comes down. And then all of a sudden you're shooting a guy and you're trying to hit him in its mouth. Like that is a very appealing thing for a new player to do. And, um, but I understand I, I've, I've have local collectors and one of them said, he goes, I don't buy pins for other people. I buy pins for me. And I get that. So then it comes back to, well, which which do I like more? Do I like if I'm comparing Stranger Things to Avengers, which which code do I like more? And uh, to be honest, as of right now, as of owning Avengers three weeks, I actually prefer Stranger Things code. And the reason being, there's two reasons. One Decision making. Yes, every pinball machine, you have to be thinking, what's my next move? What am I working towards? What's the goal here in this moment? When I go back to TNA, TNA is super simple. TNA, it's like, are you either working to destroy a reactor or are you working to collect or or lock balls for multi-ball? That's it. It's kind of at any moment, which one am I am I focusing more on? My multi-ball strategy, like trying to get safety with multi-balls, or am I trying to destroy the reactor? But that's it. Like, that's really the only decision making I'm having to make at any time. What am I trying to attack in this moment? Stranger Things, it's very simple. It's like, I'm, I need to hit these shots to get into this mode. Once I'm in the mode, I need to get through the mode. Then I need to hit these shots to get into the next mode. And boom, 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 boom. It's very linear. You know exactly where you're going to do. And there are a few distractions uh, with the Demodog mode or the Demogorgon. But realistically it's very kind of clear what you need to be doing at any time or how you need to be moving forward um turtles you have the modes you have the actual episodes to work through you have two multi-balls you can do at any time but then there are things that can distract you there's little kind of side quests but it's still very clear you kind of have a main avenue to go on um Avengers is not that way at all Avengers it's like well what do you want to do do you want to work on collecting Avengers so that you can get in pursue the soul gem or do you want to do it again so you can pursue black order multi-ball or are you trying to hit the disc so that you can prepare for the next stone and once you actually get in that stone mode are you going to get through the mode then once you get through the mode where do you want to put that stone do you want to capitalize where the stones are at any given moment for points do you want to potentially move the stones preparing for next round it's just it's just constant decision making and that's fine. But I'm telling you, I, I consider myself a, a rather smart guy, I'm not trying to sound cocky at all, but um, I would say I'm above average because, you know, if you stop and think about everybody, you know, well, if average is 50 percent, you know, I think I think I'm smarter than half the dumb people. I know if that if that logic makes any sense. Um, but um, it's just I'm still 
I, I've had this pen three weeks. I've had Nick, the Pinsomniac, shout out to him. He's another TPN streamer. He has an Avengers. I've had Ray Day, the actual coder on my stream, like telling me what to do or suggesting things to do. And it's still so open-ended and there's so much to wrap your head around. And there's so many, I mean, it's it makes me realize that like Keith is more than just Keith Elwin who designed this game and also designed the codes. He's way more than just a skilled pinball player. His rule knowledge and rule understanding is a whole nother level. And the fact that he created all these rules or thought these up in his head, and then you have the number one pinball player in the world currently, Ray Day, helping you code this as well. I mean, it is very clear. There, there are some smart people working on this game and the code of this game to make it so flexible that you can do so many cool things in this game. But I'm just telling you, just because you you have this open world sandbox of a game doesn't mean that's the type of game I prefer to enjoy. Um, a, a good comparison would be comparing a game like Grand Theft Auto, where you do have, uh, or like um, Skyrim, or uh, yeah, these open, like Fall, what is it, Fallout? Yeah, like some of these games that are completely open world. Those are games like video games that I just don't really, I can't get into. I need direction. I like Super Mario. I like linear gameplay. Oh, I understand. I need to get from point A to point B. How am I going to jump my way to get through that? And that's what I found I really enjoy in pinball. Um, so to me, the game, what do I like? Um, I like games that that I know my friends and family are going to like. There needs to be something early on that they would enjoy but I also I need a sense of direction and I need a sense of uh yeah like this is your next step and I know like Deadpool Deadpool's really good with that you got little Deadpool multi-ball something easy for them to do you got some cool ramps I mean I, I know friends and family when we've played those at bars it's like okay I gotta hit that right kind of ramp to then go up the left ramp to lock a ball like that's their goal that's all they want to focus on but it's very clear like objective based pinball playing. Um, and at the same time, there's a ton that you can do from a scoring standpoint to Deadpool, which is great. Um, so that kind of brings me to my next thing is I realized I enjoy games. So if we think about it, you have a lot of games have modes, but a lot of games, most games give you some ability to select your mode but others make them a lot more random. And what I mean by that is Guardians of the Galaxy. I owned Guardians of the Galaxy at one point. And before you even plunge the ball, you can select what mode you want to start. And then once you get through that mode, you hit the the, the saucer on the, on the right. And once again, you can select what mode you want to play. And what I found was there was eight modes in that game. But I had realized there were certain modes that I was better at playing and there were certain modes that I was better at getting through. And so I found once I was trying really hard to get to the wizard mode, I always played them in the exact same order. And because of that, I really started to not like it because most of the time when I played it, if I'm playing, if I only make it 10 minutes in, well, I'm playing the same mode every single time. Another example of that, believe it or not, is Simpsons Pinball Party. Simpsons Pinball Party, I remember watching Mr. Uh, Sir Mixer Tuna on uh, on Buffalo Pinball. He has some amazing tutorials, his tutorials, and he had this amazing tutorial on the way that he approaches 
um, Simpsons Pinball Party, and I had it at the time. And to get to Alien Invasion, there's seven modes you have to get through, but the way that he described it, he goes, normally I play them in this order, because typically by the time that you're through these two modes, you can do this, and then you'll start this multi-ball, which will help you get through that mode, and boom, 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 and that's what I found. Great, I have Simpsons Pinball Party, something that some people feel is like one of the deepest code sets of any game, but I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing the same code every single time I hit the start button because I'm playing it in a specific order. Um, though That's what you get when you have the ability to select a mode. And with Simpsons, you can select a mode because when the ball's in the back during the vertical up kick, you can use the flipper to flip to the mode you want and then you just have one flip so you know exactly where you're gonna be. Um, Stranger Things was not like that. Technically, you can select your mode. The modes change when you hit. There's two bumpers, um, pop bumpers in the back right. Uh, there's one, the one on the left and one on the right. And the left one changes the modes on the left side. And the right one changes the modes on the right side. Um, so technically, you could keep hitting it back in the bumpers, pop bumpers until you get the modes you want. But you really don't have control there. And so what I really liked about that is uh, Stranger Things had 12 modes. But... I, I rarely felt that I, you know, games back to back to back, it was rare that I felt like I was playing the same modes over and over and over again. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Turtles, you can control the mode. I think there's a stand-up target that can change the mode, but I haven't found a way to do that reliably, and I just don't care. Like, the modes, when I play them in Turtle Turtles, they're all very similar, and so I'm, I don't have any issues playing those modes. Um, and I like that they feel random. It's kind of a, ooh, what do I get once I hit this shot? Avengers is not like that. Avengers, you have complete control over what you want to do. And that's where I found with the gems, there's six gems. Well, when you get to select the mode, you, when you get to select your gem, there's five that you get to select from. There are definitely gems that I can do better, and there are definitely gems that I struggle with. And so what I'm finding is I'm playing the same gems every single time, which is typically power gem than mind gem. And so it's amazing when you have the ability to select the mode, it actually makes the game feel smaller because most of the time you're going to pick the same modes. So you're not seeing part of the code. And I'm curious with like Guns N' Roses, there's 21 songs, but you're going to have favorites. So are you going to play the same songs over and over and over again? I don't know. And I like that you, it, you have the ability to get more points if you go with the mode or the song that it selects. But um, I just, I, I realized that this week that I, I personally prefer games that give you less control over selecting modes. Um, when I had Hobbit, Hobbit had 32 modes. And what I learned after I sold Hobbit was when you sync that shot, you have the ability to flip really quickly to like turn the page before it registers. And I didn't see that until there was another Buffalo stream where I think it was like Joe Katz or Eric that actually showed that on stream, which is pretty neat. Um, so that was one of those like, all right, I, I can see that. But the thing about Hobbit is you have 32 modes, but there's certain modes you have to do first before you can get the other modes. So there were times that I actually found I was playing some modes more often than others but there's still there's such variety there that i really enjoyed that and um the other side of that would be like ghostbusters where there's like ladders so you have to sure there's like whatever three or four different ladders of modes that you could pursue but you have to do the same like there was always a start one you had to start with and i think they've since changed that which is really smart um so just something to think about just something from a code or a designing standpoint 
that um, it's nice to have the ability, and I bet competitive players love having the ability to select their mode. But I would say, as as a personally, I've realized that I that I don't um, enjoy that. I I don't want that type of decision making. I would rather just take what the game gives me and enjoy that. That way, I get to see more of the game. So I don't know. That's probably not the best. Um, probably not the best like review of Avengers. I but I'm saying I'm enjoying it every single time I play it. I'm enjoying it more. But do I feel that it's a game that right now I would want in my collection? And and no, it just it doesn't fit the criteria of what I look for in a game. But I still very much am enjoying that game. So um, I do think it's funny that, yes, in the last two podcasts, apparently I'm singing the praises of Stranger Things, which a whole bunch of people in this hobby have poo-pooed all over. I'm not really singing the praises of Avengers, and it's nothing to do with the game. The game, what it does, it does very, very well. It's just what I'm realizing, and I and I feel like I could apply this to other Elwin games like Jurassic Park and Iron Maiden. It just the direction and the way that code is made is just not the the kind of the code that I prefer, and that's that's fine. I I hope I don't know. That's fine. That's totally fine with me. Um. So yeah, by all means, if you think I'm crazy, if you agree with me, if you disagree with me, please let me know. You can find me on Facebook, just another pinball. You can find me there or on Pinside, I'm Joel Bob, or you can find me, you can shoot me an email, just another pinball at gmail.com. Like I said, happy to discuss all of this. Uh, next thing to talk about, the Raza stream. The Raza stream happened on Saturday. Uh, it was announced on Friday that... Uh, Deep Root was going to put two of their machines on location at a brewery and uh, or it was like a coffee shop in, in Antonio, Texas. And they just it was very clear after listening to a few things that um, the point of that was they just wanted to see how people interacted with the machines. Um, what I think is very cool is I'm part of TPN, the Pinball Network, and there's a, um, there's a streaming duo um, on the network called um, Fliptronic, and that's Jordan and Becca. And um, incredibly nice people, and they do a great job. They stream multiple times a week. It's a very well-produced stream. Jordan is very skilled at that. Um, they they have great equipment. They have they just they do streaming very very well. I, to be honest, my experience. And I, I once again, I'm not trying to be negative at all. But before I really got into this, before I got into podcasting, before I got into streaming. My the only streams I really watched were Dead Flip and Buffalo Pinball, and they're those are both great. Those are both great streams. Those are very well done. But once I started to get into this more, that's when I ran into IE Pinball. That's when I ran into Dead Flip, MPT3K, Fliptronic, and I realized there's some other people here that that take that and go way further. Like the quality of the stream is better. Like better cameras, better layouts more engaging with the audience, more, more, um, there's automation built in the background with different reward systems and just overall the experience, like it's, they take it further. And I would have to say that Fliptronic is, they're, they're one of those people that they take pinball streaming one step further than let's say a dead flip or a Buffalo. And once again, I'm not, that's nothing against Buffalo or dead flip, nothing at all, because I, I still love Watching those streams, those guys do it very, very well. But it's just from a technical standpoint, there are streamers that that take it one step further. And um, I really appreciate that. And so what happened is I'm part of TPN and I saw Jordan 
post the screenshot and I don't know where the initial one was posted with something in, in, in on Facebook, I think that said deep root is doing this pen is putting this pen on location. And I remember Jordan saying, Hey, I'm going to reach out to him. I wonder if they'll let me stream it. This was on Friday and like an hour or something goes by and he goes, Holy cow. They, he said yes, basically. And so they packed up their streaming equipment, drove an hour and a half. So they learned about this like Friday afternoon and they knew the very next day. So within 24 hours, they had to drive all their stuff out there. They got there a little bit early, set it up and just give it a whirl. Never met any of the people from Deep Root, never had a discussion with any of them. It was literally just, hey, we heard your machine's going to be on location. Do you mind if we bring our stuff and stream it? And so they did. And I think it's incredible. As somebody who streams myself, the amount of work that it takes to put together a high well-produced visually appealing and and sound like high-end sound quality stream is there's so much to it there's so many little things in the background so the idea of that type of pressure um everybody was excited you know wants to see what deep roots done have they made their changes i think there are people that are rooting for them and i think there are people that are just hoping they fail but because of that, there was almost 400 people at one time watching that stream. It is very clear that there are people that are interested in Deep Root. So as two streamers, uh, Becca and Jordan, for them to know that, for them to like have that pressure and still be excited and willing to do that is incredible. I, all I can say is I give them nothing but props. They had, they had nothing. They had no nothing was there, was given to them. They had zero time to prepare at all. With that said, though, there were a lot of people that were holding the quality of their stream up to the quality of a dead flip or, a, or of a Buffalo pinball of, you know, like Kevin Manning, Kevin Manning couldn't be a nicer guy. Couldn't be a nicer guy. I've talked to him a few times. His stream, his first reveal stream of Guns N' Roses was fantastic. It was very well done. But to give him credit, he he had the game. He had it at his house. He had it days in advance. He was able to play it. He was able to test things. He was able to hook things up. He was able to change the lighting. He was able to get it exactly the way he wanted it to be before the stream even started. You look at a dead flip reveal. I think he said it on a few podcasts that the reveals at like six or seven at night. He's there at like one. And so he has hours and hours and hours to set that up and tweak and edit. And he's done this enough times with them and they know enough of like, okay, let's, let's make sure the kitchen, the environment is the right way so that this stream can come out as perfect as possible. Um, Beck and Jordan had none of that, none of that at all. I think the stream went live at six and they were told they were supposed to be there by five. So they had roughly an hour to put together, to try to put together the best stream they possibly can with no time to test, no time to do anything. And I would just say, I understand that there were probably people that hopped into the stream that didn't realize that, that probably assumed, you know, Dead Flip had reached, or Dead Deep Root had reached out to Fliptronic and said, we want you to stream and gave them all this prep time and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't. And, and I would say, as somebody who's excited and enjoys this hobby, it really disappointed me during that stream to see the amount of negativity that was in the chat. Um, people that were complaining about the audio or the camera layout or people just making comments about Deep Root in general. There was a few people that I, I think should have been banned multiple times. All of a sudden you have people arguing, you know, calling each other names, like complaining about P the, the way either Becca or Jordan were talking or not talking or, hey, can you ask Robert this question? Can, why is Steve not playing? Can you stop playing? Can you start playing? And it was just kind of a like, guys, this is... Do you realize if Becca and Jordan, if Fliptronic didn't do what they did, 
what would we have gotten instead? We would have gotten a few camera, like camera phone videos. That's all we would have had. We would have had the same videos. We would have had the same video quality as what we had from Houston Arcade Expo. And you think about the number of people on Pinside that watched those videos and scrutinized over those videos and just like, oh, I can't see this. Did you see this really well? I mean, I get it. In a perfect world, Deep Root would have planned ahead of this, you know, planned this ahead. This first, you know, legit reveal stream would have been at their facility with a lot more controlled and better, better done conditions. But that's not how it was. And so I'm just saying there is zero reason Fliptronic or Becca and Jordan should get any sort of hate at all because they did us a service. They they drove an hour and a half. They threw that up and they just they wanted to share their experience with playing the game with everybody else. And I appreciate them for doing that. I think they did a good job. And I absolutely think and I have full confidence as somebody who watches and enjoys Fliptronic and their streaming and their technical expertise in streaming. I have no doubt in my mind that if they actually went on site and did a, an on-site stream with Deep Root, that they would crush it. They would do a very, very good job. And um, once again, nothing against Buffalo Pinball or Deep Root or, or Dead Flip, but to have another potential streaming group that can help you know, reveal or do things for, for another pinball manufacturer. That's awesome. Like more power to them. I I'm, I'm all for this hobby growing. There's no need to have like one person. That's the face of pinball. It's not needed because there's, there are so many different types of people in pinball and there's so many different opinions in pinball that, yeah, let's do this. Let's grow the hobby and let's make it as diverse and as unique as possible. So um, that was my little spiel about the actual stream itself. Now, what did I see that excited me? Um, there were a few things that excited me and there was a few things that concerned me. Um, excited me. Visually, the cabinet looks awesome. I'm, uh, I work in the print industry to see the side of those cabinets glow the way they did. I mean, I have no doubt that that pin and a lineup of pins will stand out. There's no doubt about it. So the design choices that they took there are really cool. Um, Jordan and Becca said multiple times that the surround sound of the pin actually sounds incredible. And there was zero chance, there's zero way that they could mic that easily. Um, Jordan and Becca actually did after they got home, they did just a, they just did a just chatting stream where they kind of reviewed it. And, um, Jordan was talking to Robert and asked about direct capture. He's like, okay, do you have an audio jack that I can plug into? And he goes, there's actually three. So on the high-end models, there's three different out audio out or like, yeah, audio outs to different speakers. So it's like, well, that's going to make things complicated because we need one stereo output and there's three on the machine. Um, so that's, that's cool. I mean, that's something that only people that got to play it could experience. So the audio sounds incredible is what it, the visual art package on the, on the cabinet and the design functionality of the cabinet looks incredible. The pin bar, the worries about the pin bar, whether or not it was too tall, visually hard to see, whether or not it cut your hands, it looks like all of those have been fixed. Um, so that excites me. Now I will say the majority of the stream, it seemed like people were focusing on the pin bar and there's a lot of people in this hobby that are saying, well, why we don't need it. We don't need that type of innovation, you know, just make a good pinball machine. But my takeaway from the stream is I, I want to play the game. I absolutely want to play the game. But if this is the, if this is the, like, I don't know, version one of this technology, I can't, 
I can only imagine that the next game and the next game are only going to take it further and go further with it. And that's something Beck and Jordan said a lot, that the screens used in this game were amazing. The pin bar was a lot of fun to use. And it just, like, they had nothing but positive things to say about the pin bar. Um, Now, the only negatives I can say about the game is the game itself. I just didn't see a ton of really good gameplay. Um, or the, you know, the camera angles just were hard to kind of see whether or not it actually looked like it shot well or shot in a fun manner. Uh, I know I just listened to Zach and Dennis's, uh, podcast earlier today and Zach really didn't have very much, or Zach or Dennis really didn't say too much good stuff about what they saw and the way it shot. Um, but you know what? I, I'd, I'd like to experience that. And, and if I'm going to bring it back to, you know, does it have depth? Is there depth to the game that would keep me entertained? But also, is there something in that game that would keep, you know, my nieces and nephew or my wife or my friends and family invested? I don't know. I, I, I would have to see it more, see it stream more, potentially play it to know like, hey, do this, then this, and then you're going to see a really cool moment. Or yeah, go for this guy or because um, I know there's like a target moving in the background, kind of like World Cup soccer. Like give me give me some cool moments. Or maybe they just will love the pin bar or they'll love the ability to buy and select different stuff. I, I don't know. But I, I would say I, I came away from that stream way more positive about Deep Root because it looks like they actually made changes. Um, there was a lot of... There were a lot of complaints about their initial, you know, reveal to the the deep six, but um, they listened and it looks like they actually changed a bunch of stuff. They said, uh, Jordan said the he's that play field looks smooth. He didn't see any dimples. So to me, it's just, I, I understand deep root. They've talked a big game and we've been, we've been walking this walk for a long time. But the fact that we're actually seeing progress, we're seeing something happened. The next big question is manufacturing. Can they do it? Can they do it in a timely manner? Um, there's also been some stuff that's kind of leaked on Pinside in regards to pricing. And I don't know how I feel about what I've read there, especially when it comes to DLC or somewhat of a subscription. So I'm kind of just waiting to hear more clarification on that. Um, but it did look like they said they said that the low price model was going to be like $4,099. That's cheaper than a Stern Pro. And then you have add-on options. You can add the topper, and I think the topper was like 299. You know, the Turtles topper was $1,000. So it's just there's a lot of things here that there's a chance that they could do something really cool here. Um, now I do have to say I understand that J-Pop or others have been burned in the past when it comes to giving down payments and not getting a game. And because of that, one of the things I did see on Pinside was it looks like on the high-end models, they want down payments. They want you to, you know, put a lot of money up front. And I that makes me a little nervous just because this isn't a fully established company yet. But at the same time, you know, there are some people that if you've been saving, whatever, if you've been saving nine, $10,000, I don't know what the high-end model is, but if you've been saving that money and it's taken years and years and years to save that, do you, do you pull the trigger on this? I don't know. But there, we all know there are people in this hobby that to throw $8,000 towards a company is is they can do it without batting an eye. Like I, I hope people give give this company a chance. And to be honest, in, in a year or whenever, when I you know have enough money to get another pin, if this game looks as cool as it does and if it shoots well, maybe I'll go deep root. 
maybe maybe I will be in this weird category of having a spooky machine, having a stern machine, and now having a deep root machine. And maybe one day having JJP, you know. Uh, I don't want to get labeled as anything particular. Um, but uh, yeah, that was my views on Raza. So I'm just, there's, apparently we're supposed to see more and we're supposed to see more soon. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to that um, for sure. So well, that's, a, I would say that's about it for me. I have a few other things I'd love to discuss. I've actually been uh, prompted in in in, um, in my pinball stream to, there's a few topics they'd like me to, to talk about, and I'd like to go through some of those things. Um, but a few of these, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with somebody else. Uh, I know our good friend, Craig Bobby, with uh, the pinball show, Midweek Edition, he should be getting his Avengers anytime soon. And he's been asking a whole bunch of just beginner questions. And so we just we had talked about potentially doing like a cooperative podcast where we both get on and try to work our way through, you know, what everything you need to know when you get your first machine, that kind of stuff. So I think that could be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, got a few other things to talk about. But um, I think that's all I've got today. Um, so I would say plugs, like always. I want to thank... Um, the pinball network. I want to thank Zach and Dennis and everybody there. It's a great team and it's, it's a lot of fun being a part of that, of being a part of that. So please, you know, follow the pinball, um, network on, on your podcatcher or whatever. Listen to all the other people out there. There's some awesome stuff. Um, feel free to on this week in pinball, they kind of mixed it up. Now you have to go to tools. So this week in pinball tools, and then you'll see promoters database. Feel free to give me another review. All I will say is if you find yourself giving me a review less than five, that's fine. That's totally fine. I would just love if it's supposed to be a conversation or if you have a statement or an opinion, feel free to email me first. And I'd love to have that conversation with you. Uh, but yeah, feel free to leave me a review. I'm currently ranked ninth, which is awesome. I just, it really makes me happy and I'm very proud to be in the top 10. So thank you for all the support there. You can find me on Facebook, just another pinball. Um, on Facebook, you can find me on Twitch, just another pinball stream. I stream every Wednesday from 10 o'clock to midnight or 10 o'clock to one Eastern standard time. And you can always email me at just another pinball at gmail.com. So um, I think, let me look at my notes real quick. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I've got. Um, and then I know Zach and Dennis made a little deal on songs that, that he's allowed to sing on air. So um, what would what would I want him to sing? Let's go with uh, Take On Me, right? That's a good one. Or Final Countdown. Final Countdown is always good. And uh, what would be one, one more good one? Um, White Nerdy by Weird Al Yankovic. I don't know why those are the three songs that popped in my head, but I would love to see him try to find a way to fit those into their podcast. Yeah. Uh, oh, and last thing, I have merch. I have merch on Silverball Swag, so feel free to check me out there as well. Uh, once again, appreciate the support, guys. Appreciate the guys and girls. Appreciate the kind words that I, that I get and the feedback that I get. And I hope everybody has a great holiday. I hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Stay safe, everybody. And um, enjoy playing pinball. And hopefully I'll talk to you guys real soon. Thanks. Bye.